Grace and peace are yours in abundance in your knowledge of God and your Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word for us today comes from the Gospel lesson, the account in Luke of Jesus' transfiguration. Hearing again the 35th and 36th verse, And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. This is the word of the Lord. Way out beyond the walls of Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John went up on a mountain with Jesus to pray. And while they're there, they see Jesus shining from the inside out, Elijah and Moses appear and are speaking with him about events to come. And then, to top it all off, a cloud envelops them, and the Father's voice declares, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Today I'd like to think about this experience against the backdrop of the Old Testament. Now first, Jesus radiates lightning light, brilliant whiteness, streams from him. This is something only Almighty God does. He appears that way in white and fire in Daniel 7. In today's first reading, we saw that Moses, being in the presence of that light, started reflecting it himself. But this is exhibit A, that Jesus is the Son of God. Exhibit B, Moses and Elijah, who died so many centuries before, are alive and present and speaking with Jesus. They're talking not only about him, but with him and what he is about to do. Now, the English Standard Version of John's Gospel that we use today says that they spoke of his departure. The literal word there in the Greek is exodus. They're talking about Jesus' journey that will set his people free. Why these two, Moses and Elijah? It was to Moses that God gave the law on Mount Sinai. And it was to Elijah, who defeated 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Are you sensing a theme? These two mountain men came to represent the law and the prophets. And the Law and the Prophets became a nickname, a shorthand way of speaking of all the Old Testament. So as Moses and Elijah defer to Jesus on that mountaintop, they declare that the Old Testament scriptures, the Law and the Prophets, point to Jesus too. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one, that they've all been waiting for. That's a pretty good Exhibit B. 
But exhibit C is even more convincing. A cloud appears and overshadows the disciples. It's not your average cloud, but a very Old Testament cloud. The kind of cloud that led the people of Israel out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, the kind of cloud that filled the tabernacle and the temple, driving out the priests because of its glory. This cloud indicates God the Father has arrived. And he's come with an announcement. This Jesus is my beloved Son. Listen to him. After this, Peter, James, and John should have no doubt their teacher is certainly God's own Son, the long-awaited Savior promised by God. On this mountain, the Lord makes this obvious to their eyes and their ears. No matter what happens from here on out, they could look back at that mountain and be sure Jesus is the one. And that's of critical importance because it's all downhill from here. Jesus will never look like that again on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to go down the mountain. He's going to teach. He's going to heal. Along the way, people will begin to reject him even more. And it's only a matter of time until Jesus finds himself at the hill called Calvary sometimes referred to as Golgotha, the hill of the skull. He'll be crucified at its summit. He won't look very glorious when the Roman palace guard is done scourging and beating him. He won't look very powerful when he's up there between two thieves instead of Moses and Elijah. So, on this transfiguration mountain, the Father cautions these three, Peter, James, and John, listen to him. Appearances change, but the word of the Lord remains the same. Now, even before the transfiguration, Jesus has told them that he's going to be crucified and raised from the dead, and that word would be fulfilled. And while the appearance of Jesus on the cross looks so different, he's the same Savior they saw there, transfigured, and he's doing on the cross exactly what he came to do, which is to redeem man by dying his death and suffering God's judgment for his sin. Think of the contrast. Jesus on the Transfiguration Mountain. 
Jesus on the cross. The crucifixion looked bad. It was almost certainly far more horrible than any artist has ever been able to render or portray. But it was not the defeat that it seemed. Jesus had called it. He would be raised from the dead. God the Father had said, listen to him. But appearances are powerful. Appearances are persuasive. Jesus' death had the appearance of a tragedy, a gory tragedy at that. The deep lesson here is that no matter how things look, God keeps his word. Come Sunday, Jesus is raised, alive, breathing, eating, speaking, just as he said. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus, no matter what your eyes lead you to believe, for the devil uses appearances to make you doubt the Word of God. The last thing our enemy, the accuser, wants is to have you listen to the Lord Jesus, so he comes up with all sorts of tactics to prevent it. He will bombard you with distractions, anything to turn your attention from God's Word. And furthermore, the devil will do his best to make it appear that the Lord has forgotten you. It may be a matter of ill health that tries to shout louder than God's Word and drown it out. It may be a matter of loneliness Your isolation from other people makes you feel isolated from the Lord. It may be a matter of unbearable stress tempting you to wonder that if the Lord was indeed powerful, why would we have to suffer so? Now, all these things that I've named are more than just appearances. The pain, the hurt, it's real. But what I'm saying is that what Satan would have you read are the circumstances. Satan would have you read the circumstances as God's verdict over you. That Satan would have you interpret these situations as how God feels about you, thereby moving you away from what he has said in his word. And what has he said in his word? In short, what he says of his son, he says of you. You are my beloved. I am well pleased with you for the sake of my son. The Lord calls you to continue to listen to him, no matter what your circumstance. Illness, loneliness, stress, all will claim 
God is out to get me. Growing in faith means that you pay attention to God's word instead. Now, you and I must endure dark times when the Lord seems neither glorious nor close by nor especially kind-hearted. But, but, you have his word. His word that he forgives you, is with you, and will not forsake you. Listen to him, especially when he speaks his word of grace and forgiveness to you. Cling to his promise that he has made you his own in your baptism. Hold tight to his absolution and his word, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do not let go of the promise that he makes when he says, take and eat, take and drink. These are given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. For by these words, these words, the same Lord who is transfigured in glory, crucified for your sin, and raised for your life, lives with you. Listen to him so that you can say, along with St. Paul, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Fulfiller of the past and hope of things to be, we hail thy body glorified and our redemption see. Tis good, Lord, to be here, yet we may not remain. But since thou bidst us leave the mount, Come with us to the plain. Amen.